He's a God of miracles, and not just the big ones, but the little ones. Now, a miracle is something that is beyond what we can do on our own. It is not a miracle just to do the normal mundane things, except to be able to repeat them over and over is somewhat of a miracle. But the miracle is to understand what God can do and that he desires to do even more than we can ask or imagine. Now this week, we had some services that we called Ignite. Because the whole theme was to be ignited in our spirit, in our soul, in our heart, in our lives for Christ and his purpose and his call on our life. And Dr. Jeff Stark and Reverend Lloyd Brock did an outstanding job of bringing the word and explaining it to us and reminding us of not just the moment, but what happens after. I loved that every one of those messages wasn't about that night, but it was about going forward and what we do. But there is something to understand. It's a general principle that when it comes to fire, as William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, used to teach his young ministers often. He said the tendency of fire is to go out. Have you noticed that? You start a bonfire, you start a fire in the fireplace, the tendency is left unattended, that fire will go out. If there isn't a continued source... If there isn't a continued movement of air across those embers and sparks and flames, it goes out. The same thing is true when it comes to following and serving Jesus. If there's not a continuation of that fuel, if there's not a continuation of the movement provided by the breath of his Holy Spirit across our heart and soul and mind and life, it just goes out. Now, what I was really tempted to do this morning was to bring in my fire pit and just do a little fire. You can thank my wife that we didn't do that. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to bring a wastebasket in and some pieces of paper and we'll just do a little impromptu one and I remembered fire codes and so we're not going to do that. And then I was even thinking that when it comes to this thing, one of the things you can't tell from where you're seated is there's actually a sound to this. And so I thought, well, I can get, well, maybe I shouldn't do that either. Really close to the mic. And then I remembered that this thing's flammable. And so am I. So you're going to have to imagine some of this. My fear, though, is that too many of us are living on the imagination of the flame instead of the reality of the flame. That we're living on the image of the flame of God in us instead of the reality of his Holy Spirit burning bright within us. So we talked a lot this week about igniting. So this morning, 
I'm here to remind you that it's time to fan the flames, to keep it going. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, I invite you to turn the New Testament to the book of 2 Timothy. If you're not sure, it comes right after 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, who was his son in the faith, as he called him. He was a young pastor. I love the book of 1 and 2 Timothy. When I was early in my ministry, I loved it. I'm no longer early in my ministry. I'm no longer considered a young pastor, though occasionally I forget that. But I still love it because the words are so good. The message is so powerful. And evidently, Timothy is one who needed reminders. Anybody else set reminders or sticky notes or something around the house? I set reminders on my phone. In fact, I blame my phone for things I don't get done. Because the reminder didn't go off. Or at least that's what I'm saying. Or maybe I didn't hear it. See, God's given us a lot of reminders. And a lot of times we're just not listening. Or we see it and say, I'll do it later. Well, this morning, let me just say emphatically and clearly, it is time to fan the flame that God has already provided for you. Second Timothy Chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, day and night. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God, has, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control or self-discipline. Verse 8, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel, for the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and guard the good deposit 
entrusted to you. I remind you, verse 6 says, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. For us to fan a flame, there must first be a spark or an ember. If it is dead, if there is no fire, if there is no flame, if there is no spark, if there is no ember, you can fan yourself to death. And there ain't going to be no flame. There's first got to be a spark or an ember, a flame, to be able to fan it into a full-blown fire, to be able to fan it into something that can spread to others. We have to start with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 5, Paul says to young Timothy, he says, I am reminded. Think back. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, when did it happen? How did it happen? Be reminded of what has already taken place. He said, I am reminded of your sincere faith. And then he talks about how his was passed down. He still had to accept it personally. But it was passed down, though the home was not united. Timothy's father was not of the faith. At least not originally. We don't know for sure how he finished. So he talks about his mother and his grandmother that sincere faith that had been passed down to him. And what I want you to get from that is this. Your background is not the issue. Satan tries to tell you it is, and you sometimes use that as an excuse. Your background is not the issue. The issue is your current condition. Where are you today in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A past can be forgiven. That's why Jesus went to the cross and the tomb is empty. Also, you can't live your whole life based on just one thing from the past. It is to be a current relationship, one that is constantly fanned into flame. But you got to start with that spark. You have to start with that ember. There has to be something there. The spark must be present, as in be here, and it needs to be present, as in now. A double meaning there. So I ask you this morning, is there a spark? Is there some flame? Is there an ember there that can be fanned into flame? If not, let's start there. You can get started on that now. We serve a God of second chances and third chances. And we serve a God of chances. Not that coming to him is by chance, but that he provides for our salvation regardless of our past. Regardless of how many times we have tried to start the fire. And sometimes it doesn't work. Right? Sometimes we feel like it doesn't work. But God says, I keep coming back. 
I'll get to you. Start with the spark. Where are you in that relationship? Also, I love what he says about the reminder. And you see, this is a reminder. This message is a reminder. If you've never heard it before, it's your first reminder, if that's even grammatically possible. But this is a reminder. Verse 6 says, for this reason, I remind you. He had already said, I remember and a reminder of your faith. He's now saying, I'm reminding you to do this. Fan it into flame. You need to be reminded of what God has already provided for you. He's provided for your salvation. He's provided for your sanctification. He has provided for your continued life to live with him, in him, him, in you. He's provided for everything that we have. We need to be reminded many times of what God has already provided. He's provided grace and forgiveness. He's provided salvation and His Holy Spirit. He's provided fellowship with Him and with others who follow Christ. He's provided His living Word. He's provided everything we need for the fire to keep going. We need to fan it into flame. For it's time to fan the flame. Now, it's a good time to talk about fans because this is March Madness. And if you don't know what that is, I can't help you. But tournament time. It was neat to read online late last night of a school that I used to coach at who won their state championship in Indiana last night. And it's the first one in that school's history. It's like, oh, how awesome that was wish I could have been there, but then I wouldn't have been here, so I guess not. There are a lot of fans who from that school and that little town made the two and a half hour trip to where the state championship was. They showed thousands of fans there. I remember one of the towns we pastored in, it was a town about 3,500, and the high school gym seated 3,700. And it was usually full. <laughs> and that team did really well, didn't quite make it to the, they got to the Elite Eight of the state tournament that year, and the weekend that they went to the Elite Eight, it was a ghost town. There were businesses that literally put signs up, said closed at the game. <laughs> told their employees, don't come in, go to the game. Those were fans. If you've tuned into any of these games with the NCAA and the basketball, you see some fans, and some of them look ridiculous. And it's awesome. They're wearing the dumbest stuff, and I love it. I mean, some of them have their faces painted, and some of them are... I mean, they're just fans. The problem is, all of that is temporary. What we're talking about is not being a fan of Jesus Christ, but a follower. What we're talking about, about fanning, is to fan the flame so that we don't give up, so that we don't get discouraged, so that we don't 
walk away. But to fan that flame, it's time to fan the flame. Some of us, we haven't had much of a flame in a long time. In fact, for some of us, it's hard to even see the spark. Jesus didn't go to the cross and the tomb and rise again so that we would have to search to even find the spark. We're to be on fire for Christ. We're to be warmth into the community in which we live and the people we come in contact with as we serve them with the love, grace, forgiveness, and power of Jesus Christ. But here's good news. You can be courageous because of what God has provided. Look at this in verse 7. God has provided Holy Spirit power for you so you can have courage. You don't have to have your own, just use His. Let Him fill you with His Holy Spirit and it is a Holy Spirit of power as well as love, compassion, etc. But we forget the power part sometimes and we act as if God isn't big enough to do what needs to be done. It's time to be courageous and you can't do that unless you fan the flame. You can be courageous because you have Holy Spirit power. Secondly, you can be courageous because of God's unconditional life-changing love. Love changes things. It changes lives. And God's love changes lives for eternity. We're to live in that love. We're to show that love. One of the things that just nailed me this week in our services was this idea as both Jeff and Lloyd preached on different aspects in Scripture of where people were just drawn to Jesus. And I wrote myself a note about Jesus was compelling. People were compelled to come to him because of who he was and how he loved. And then I said, Am I being compelling for Jesus Christ? I want to live in such a way that when I walk past people, they go, wait, what? We need to live knowing we can be courageous because of God's unconditional, life-changing love, and we are to live in that love, show that love, share that love. And also, you can be courageous because the discipline of Christ is in you. Forget self-discipline. That's not it. It's the discipline of Christ and his word and his Holy Spirit in us. That's the discipline that matters. And the scripture says self-control or self-discipline in some translations in verse 7. But he's reminding young Timothy, who was somewhat timid, evidently, that he needed to be courageous and live that way because of the power, the love, and the discipline that we have in Christ. We don't need to tiptoe around. Now, we don't need to stomp around either, but we need to live courageous because of who he is and what he's done for us. 
You see, if you're living for Jesus Christ, if you understand that he has already created in you that spark, that ember, that flame that now needs to be fanned into a full-blown fire, you can live courageous. And when you understand that, you need to realize there is no need for shame. Verse 8, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Paul later on says, I am not ashamed in verse 12. I don't need to be ashamed or embarrassed or worried about somebody stumping God. I'm in awe of how many times we're afraid to ask God something or ask about something because we think the question we've come up with is the one that's going to stump God. If so, he's not worth worshiping. Because you, my friend, are not that smart. Neither am I. We're not going to stump him. He's the God who created it all. Ask the question. Tell him you don't understand. He can guide you. His word can fulfill what is needed. There's no need to be ashamed of your past because he forgives. There's no need to be ashamed of him because he is king of the world. He's the savior. He's the Messiah. The scripture tells us that at some point, every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that he is Lord. There is no need for shame. And we need to follow the pattern of Christ. Look at verse 13 and 14. Now, now just because there's no more blanks, it's not the end of the message. So, so don't start closing things up. Look at verse 13 and 14. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith. And love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the good deposit entrusted with you, entrusted to you. Keep fanning the flame. No matter how dim that spark might be, it can come back to life with some fuel. It can come back to life with a gentle fanning and then later a big mighty wind once it starts to really burn so that it can spread. Be courageous. Don't be ashamed. Live in this life. There's a guy by the name of Michael Jr. who's a Christian comedian. And I love the guy. Um, one, he's hilarious. And two, he says, I do comedy with a purpose. I like anybody who does something with a purpose, especially when the purpose points people to Jesus. Why? Well, listen to something of his this week and it just sparked something in me. He told about, he said, do any of you ever remember the good room at your grandparents' house? And some of you are going, what? I do. Especially at my Grandma Owens. She had a good room. It was better furnished than all the other rooms in the house. It was only used, we didn't play in there. It was only used for special occasions. Special people coming over or Christmas when we all got together. But just the time when I went to visit Grandpa and Grandma, I, 
Grandma gently, normally, got me out of that room into another room so I wouldn't mess up the good room. But here's the spark that came to me. I think some of us are living as if we are in the good room. That we have this good room in our life. We're living with a good room mentality. You have parts of your life that look good, like when you come to church. Or when you say you're going to pray for someone. Or when someone's in the car with you and you have on the Christian radio station when you turn the car on. Or when you wear your religious jewelry. Or religious t-shirt or sweatshirt. That's a good room mentality. And you see, people see your good room stuff and they assume that all your life is like that. You see, if you had only seen my grandma's good room, you would have assumed the whole house was that way. No, we lived in the rest of it. And too many of us are living with a good room mentality. We got this thing that will let people see, but not all this other stuff. We want you to think that that t-shirt actually is our life. That piece of jewelry is actually our life. That radio station represents our life. The big black Bible we carry is us. But you know, and so do some of the people around you, that isn't true in all parts of your life. You know it. And you don't like to be reminded of it. You're not happy with me right now. Because, unfortunately, you feel some shame because of it. But it's time to fan the spark. It's time to fan the ember. It's time to fan the flame of God's grace, of God's love, of God's acceptance and forgiveness in you. God desires to live in your whole house, not just the good room. God desires to live in your whole life, not just the surface. He desires to come in and clean up the rest of it. But he doesn't expect you to clean it up. Because you and I both know we've already tried and it didn't work. He's out there with his bucket and his mop and his Lysol and his bleach in the states it's allowed. And he's ready to clean up so that the flame can be pure. So that the flame won't go out. He's ready to change your good room mentality into an everyday mentality. It's not denying that there are cracks in the foundation. It's not denying that there have been some problems along the way. But it's saying the one on whom this house is built, this life is built, the one who fills me, the one whose fire burns within me is greater than all those things. And that he 
is the one who changes. He is the one who makes a difference. He desires to come in, clean up your whole life. Until now, you've tried to hide everything except that good room. But God knows. And truth be told, so do a lot of other people around you. And too often we try to hold Jesus outside, but it just doesn't work. Or maybe you've already given up. Isn't it time? Isn't it time to allow God to fan the flame that he's already provided and let it burn up all the other stuff? Well, let me answer it for you. It is time. Today, right now, whether you're here or tuning in online, whether you're watching us live or you're tuning in later this week, whether you've been listening to the whole message or just woke up, it's time. I mean, come on. Let God fan the flame that he desires and let it burn in your life. It may look small at the moment, but you turn God loose and that little spark can turn into a flame that turns into a fire. And when we bring our fires together, we can change a community and beyond. Isn't it time that you said, okay, God, start fanning. Okay, God, it's yours. I want you to stand with me. I have absolutely no idea how to finish this message. All week, <laughs> even while we were singing, I'm praying, okay, Lord, show me, and he didn't. Well, he probably did, and I didn't see it. I don't know. So let me just ask this again. Isn't it time that you either let God start the spark in you because you realize it's not even there, or isn't it time to let him start fanning what is there? They say, Pastor, I got all this stuff. He already knows that. And he's invited you anyway. Revelation says, He's standing at the door knocking. He's not going to knock it down. He's going to wait for you to say, come on. Isn't it time that we started to do what he created you and called you to do and let him start to fan the flame so that we can be who he wants us to be and do what he wants us to do and reach who he wants us to reach. If this is the time either to start the spark or to fan the flame, I'm just going to invite you to come out from where you are and just come and stand around the front here somewhere or sit if you can't stand. I'm just going to ask you to step out and say, okay, it's time. This is the moment for me. If it's starting the spark, awesome. Let's do it. If it's fanning the flame, Let's join our little sparks together and let God create something so much greater 
and so much bigger. If that's where you are this morning, just come forward right now before I pray. Come on. It's time. None of us knows for sure what he's doing in anybody else's life. And I'm not asking you to make any judgments. All I'm asking is that you say yes to whatever God's saying to you right now. And I think it's time. Let's pray. Jesus, you are so awesome. I am in awe that you allow me to be in this spot. To be the one to try to share your word. And Lord, I pray that you have filled in all the cracks in what I've said with everything you want each one to hear. And Lord, I thank you for these that have stepped forward right now and for, Lord, for those who the, faint, the flame's already burning brightly in their life. I am so grateful for that. And I pray that right now, for anyone who's here, that this is the moment they need to start the spark. May they say yes. May they invite you to come in. In this moment, this is the day. And Lord, I pray for others of us that is saying, Lord, it's time. The fire started to go down. Fan it into flame. Or maybe they're recognizing that good room mentality they've been living by. Saying, I've been putting on a nice front, but Lord, I need you to take over the whole thing. It's time to Fill me with your fire. Burn up the stuff that doesn't need to be there. And let me shine for you. Perfect? No. Forgiven? Yes. Have it all together? No. Following? Yes. So Lord, I pray a special touch and blessing upon these that have had the courage to step out. I pray right now that they would just begin to feel your Holy Spirit on them, moving through their body from their head to their feet. I pray that you would reveal anything in them that you desire for them to change and remind them that you'll do the changing. They just need to say yes. And Lord, I pray that others who the fire is burning well, that they would just gather around them, encourage them, and join together because together we can burn so much brighter. And Lord, as we go from here, I pray for those who knew they should step out and didn't, that your Holy Spirit would pursue them this week until they say yes. Thank you for your fire. Thank you for your word. And thank you for those who have gone before us and shown us the way. May we now start to do that for those who come behind us. In Jesus' name, I plead for these things. Amen.